What did Karl Marx mean when he said, democracy is the road to socialism? If you want to see part two of this podcast and other premium content likely to be censored by big tech, then consider getting a membership on my site. It's just £5 a month, less than the price of a pint, to support independent content creators like myself to bring you the truth. If you sign up today, you'll get a seven-day free trial. Link in the description or go to laurenceesman.com. Joining me today for another action-packed episode of Eyes Wide Open is Darren Denslow, host of Digging Deeper on TNT Radio, a free speech internet radio platform spreading truth around the world. Darren is a former science teacher, chemist and weapons procurer for UK's nuclear arsenal, who after taking the red pill, dedicated his life to exposing the lies and corruption of the elites who have hijacked the West. In part one, we discuss Darren's latest run for public office after he challenged the Uniparty in Plymouth by running as an independent councillor in the May local elections. The main thrust of Darren's platform was to generate awareness of the 15-minute city gulags and give some much-needed pushback against the dominance of the Uniparty in the UK. We chat about the failure of democracy across the West, the lack of solutions on the table, and what the future holds for the UK in the coming general election. In part two, for members of my site, we talk about the things that would normally be censored on big tech, like excess deaths, the medical weapons of mass destruction, the war in Ukraine as a proxy of the woke demons trying to destroy Trad Russia. That, along with other epoch-changing psyops, makes this a conversation you don't want to miss but now it's time for our guest darren denslow welcome to the show really appreciate you coming on welcome uh my pleasure um uh Loz, uh returning a favor after you, you come on my show on, on tnt radio and uh i see you're no longer in portugal uh you're back in blighty yeah i'm back in blighty well, that's the problem, isn't it? We don't really get much sunshine here. And, and in Algarve, you get 300 days a year of sunshine. And one of the distinct things that stick out is the fact that the sky is so clear. And then you come back to, to England and you pretty much, you know, it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick that there are some weird shit going on in the sky. And uh, there's like this lattice effect that we see in, in, in the sky when, when they're out spraying or whatever it is they're doing. And um, it gets to the point where I don't think it can be denied anymore that there's something going on up there. I don't know what it is, but uh, as sure as hell can't deny that there is some concerted, organized effort with the way that the planes are operating in the skies. And it, it, I've seen a thread on Twitter so there was a day that I came back recently and I was looking up in the sky and went, what the hell's that? And my dad did. He went, have you seen what's going on up there? And then the computer must have been listening to me because next thing in my Twitter thread is that someone else had posted a picture in Cheshire, right, of the same day that we'd noticed it. And then the whole thread in the Twitter thread was other people in the local community all posting pictures of the sky in their area. So it was obviously that that blatant that it was becoming an issue for people to post it online i i don't know what it is what, what are your thoughts on that darren i mean it's funny that chemtrails has uh, has come up as the starting point of our conversation but i had a, uh my friend nick big shout out to nick in Croydon. she sent me a picture yesterday evening saying this is my skies right now uh and it's and it was the crisscross 
pattern. There was no planes in the sky. Any of these pictures where we do see these like lattice or network of, of contrails or chemtrails in the sky, rarely ever see the actual pictures of planes producing them. Mm. Um, and that was the same last night. But that's the first time I've seen a picture and I'll go, I know that's 100% genuine. I know who sent it to me. I know she's not trying to wind me up or anything. She's somebody who will be skeptical, skeptical of things like the chemtrail uh, agenda or conspiracy or whatever you want to call it. And the question is, why, if somebody is doing that, would they want to poison the air? Because they're poisoning the air that they are breathing. So, uh, um, well, yeah, it, it doesn't add up, does it? There's, it doesn't make sense. There's but part of it that we poison all the water. I know. Well, they drink in the water as well. Fluoride in the water. It's like, well, don't you drink the water as well? You know? That's a good point. Into the sea. And, like, you know, we're killing all the animals in the sea. We cut all the trees down. So, I mean, it's not. it wouldn't be surprising if they're poisoning the air or Bill Gates is trying to block out the sun or they're creating clouds or, 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 or whatever the, the intention is behind it. But, yeah, it's definitely weird and something that I've always dismissed until recently. Yeah, I, I think I've never really entertained it much. I've just kind of kept it at a distance and it's always there, you know, it pops up in your yeah, feeds, doesn't it? But I've never really gave it much attention until it became so bloody obvious in the sky and I thought, okay, what, what, what is this? So I don't really think it's like a poisoning. I don't really buy into that. But I do entertain the idea of weather modification right? and whether that's seeding clouds for whatever purpose. I don't know whether they do that. I mean, even Kate Bush was aware of cloud seeding, which is one of her famous songs, isn't it? Which is a, a homage to William Reich and his organ machine and, you know, creating uh, clouds in the sky. Cloud busting, the song was called. So uh -huh. I think weather modification has been around for a long time. I mean, you know, the weather dance, it goes back to tribal days because fertility is is related to it and the harvest and stuff uh -huh. so i think there's always been some kind of desire to be able to control the weather because it's an act of god as well isn't it uh, and yeah. it seems that this idea of weather modification is now seeping into the public discourse because i see it in the feeds i see the you know mainstream media talking about oh yeah of course we do weather modification yeah yeah haven't we told you before <laughs> you know so i think there's something uh, weird going on about that and people who've dedicated their lives to studying this i've also shown you know that the, the political answer to this is a wall of silence or it's a um you know a pre a pre-designed answer to this question oh no it's chemtrails and it kind of gives me an opportunity to segue into politics because i wasn't expecting to open this conversation on chemtrails but there you go and um, now the political solution to these issues that we're all talking about seems to be a complete dead end at least trying to get politicians to act um on the behalf of the people who they represent it seems to be party first people second mm -hmm. and i know that you're someone which is why i wanted to chat to you today who's got first-hand experience you're a veteran now of the political system in the uk because you stood as an independent candidate in may in the local elections and I, I think you've got some really interesting information to share back with us about your experience on that. Um, I, I've got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of interest in this myself because I was talking to Lawrence Kenwright in Liverpool quite a lot about this issue. And he was the engine behind uh, 
a move in Liverpool called Liberate Liverpool, which is to liberate Liverpool from the fraud and corruption of the Liverpool Labour Party, which has been proven and demonstrated beyond any reasonable doubt, is that these guys have been rinsing the city, the hand in the till, they're just totally and outright, outright corrupt. But yet, when it came to the crunch and the people were given an opportunity to choose you know, an independent candidate over the Labour Party. They chose the Labour Party and the Labour Party won on a landslide in the local elections. It's a bit demoralising for people who thought that, you know, we could have a political voice or bring some political change because Liberate Liverpool didn't get any seats at all. But what was your experience? Because I know you ran as an independent as well and it wasn't your first time. Yeah, I mean, I ran, I first ran as an independent in 2021 in the uh, May local elections. Uh, I ran then because of COVID, because of the lockdowns, the restrictions, mask wearing, mandates, vaccines, uh, uh, the harm that we was doing to our children, and the fact that we were being lied to. Uh, and I wanted to take the opportunity uh, during a time when we was all being locked down to actually be allowed to go around and knock on doors and, and put uh, a leaflet because basically for an independent you're a leafletter when you're campaigning because that's all you've got the time to be able to do you don't have big teams but that for so for 2021 is basically trying to warn people about what was happening and i got five percent of the vote and i thought god that was a one thousand pound that i spent that was a poll on the on the ward that i was standing in and only five percent in my opinion were you know that terrible term i hate it uh, were awake uh, enough yeah. to realise there was a candidate who was completely sort of in opposition to the COVID narrative that was being enforced by my local authority. The, the local government could have got away with COVID if it wasn't for the compliance of local authorities and the councillors and the, and the establishment and the, and the politicians who are embedded there, same everywhere across the country. Um, and I stood again this year. Uh, really reluctantly, you know, I don't want to be a councillor, don't want to be part of the political <laughs> system. Uh, I know the people who work in my local authority are some of the most awful dregs of society. They're the lowest common denominator. You know, mm. uh, you, you can, you can, uh, you shouldn't judge on appearance, but you can just look at them as a motley crew. And I'm particularly talking about the Labour uh, uh, side uh, of the, the councillors. Yeah, awful people. I didn't want to work with them. But... Uh, we've had an ongoing issue in my city about the trees. Uh, we've got an urban forest that runs right through our city centres, like 130, 140 trees. It's actually a really nice area. Uh, and uh, the, the, the council wants to redevelop the city centre, which it needs. Uh, uh, they put out a, a, a like a, 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 not a petition, but they went out to the public uh, outreach to get the opinion on what should be done to the city centre and in particular, what should happen to all the trees. And the public overwhelmingly said, do not touch the trees. We don't want you to cut them down. Uh, and so, and, and, and no matter how they manipulated the figures in this response, uh, it kept coming back overwhelming um, support to keep the trees. So the council who was conservative, a guy called Richard Bingley, who's mm -hmm. got, in every single party that you can think of. And he also set up Save Our Statues, yet won't put Sir John Hawkins Square's name back up. He wanted to call it Zelensky Square. That's another issue. <laughs> For real. Uh, but Sorry? For real. real, he wanted to call it Zelensky yeah, so Square. The guy, the guy who started Save Our Statues is a, was a conservative. He was also UKIP. He's also been Labour. He might have been Whoa. a fucking green... 
sorry for swearing. It's it, all might right. have been a bloody, it might have been a green. It's not a family show. <laughs> That's all right. I might swear a bit more then. Um, <laughs> he, uh, we, the, the Labour took down the Sir John Hawkins Square sign in response to Black Lives Matter. That was another petition of all the responses coming from outside of the city. That name's never gone back up. He's mm. a hero to the city, he built the city, and defeated the Spanish Armada. Uh, and he did the, the Spanish in his spare time. Um, that name's never gone back up. Yet you've got the ex-Save Our Statue guy who wanted to rename it Zelensky Square. No way. But no we've way. got a mutual friend, Danny Bamping, yeah, yeah. another famous uh, another famous free man from Plymouth like yourself. And I think I know as much about Plymouth local politics as I do about Liverpool's. Thanks to yeah. Danny. And I know Richard Bingley's story. And I went to visit Danny um, before I went to Algarve, funnily enough. And I think we bumped into Richard Bingley on the walk to the cafe. It was a, yeah, it was a, a weird coincidence. But yeah, I know a little bit about this and the scandal over the trees, but which cost him his job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, what he did in in the face of overwhelming sort of disapproval or or support to keep the trees, he signed an executive order. Two hours later, they all come in, fenced off the area, started cutting down the trees, and they got away with I think 109 mature trees that they cut down. Some of these were had nests in and all the rest of it. And I don't want to come across as a tree hugger. You know, I I, I care about the trees, obviously. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not a climate change guy. I think that's a load of bollocks. But I do like a tree, and I do mm. like a bit of greenery, and I do want us to protect our environment, stop polluting it, stop cutting down the trees. Who doesn't? Uh, and but I was more um, deep, deeply concerned that even at local authority level, uh, mm. this, the decision-making process has nothing to do with the will of the people. Mm. They are going to do whatever they plan to do, whatever they want to do, regardless. We saw that with the COVID lockdowns when I stood then. Uh, and now we've got things like 15-minute cities and low-traffic neighbourhoods and ultra-low, ultra-low uh, emission zones. Uh, they're all part of an overarching agenda, which COVID and climate change were both part of. Uh, and, I, you know, um, it doesn't matter what the people want. They are going to do... Uh, the, whatever the they want. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want anyway. And uh, all they're told to do or paid to do by, you know, the, the, uh, the elite stratosphere uh, of decision makers. And so I decided to stand in the local election, hoping that at, in the ward where the trees were cut down, hoping that the the public there, even if they only got to see my leaflet, would see there was an independent person, not Mm. beholden to a political party, that actually was in opposition to some of these narratives that are no longer sort of conspiracies, the 15-minute city stuff, the tree cutting has been going on across up and down the... Uh, uh, the country and I was hoping that people might go do you know what after three four years of absolute hell that this country has been put through people would surely hopefully protest that you know I was hoping that there would be a protest vote um, away uh, from the two main parties and um, this year uh, Labour who actually were the originators of the plans to cut down the trees uh, mm-hmm. had an opportunity to protect the trees themselves Labour and the Greens and they abstained do you want to protect the trees? No they abstained only independent candidates uh, said that they would didn't want the trees to be cut down in our local authority uh, and the people of that ward where the trees were cut down uh, overwhelmingly voted for Labour 
overwhelmingly. It was an absolute landslide. The Tories got crushed. Yeah, I think so. that was a similar story in Liverpool. We'll, we'll get to that in, in a second, why, why we think that's happened. But um, as a little glimmer of hope, right, is that Bingley, who used his dictatorial executive power, I didn't know that that existed at the council level, yeah. right, to come in and destroy these um, this, this area of natural beauty, right? But he faced consequences for that, didn't he? Because yeah. he had to leave his position as the leader of Plymouth Council because of the tree, um, the tree massacre, you know, the midnight tree massacre. Wasn't it done at night as well? Someone mentioned yeah, maybe? Yeah, I don't the know. cover of darkness. He'd been doing the cover of darkness. So yeah, t- tell us about why do you think he was forced out over trees? A guy who seems to be, you know, quite powerful in Plymouth. And next thing you know, he's, he's, he's out on his ear. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was that powerful in Plymouth. I think mm. he was. He, I mean, he was un, he was a fairly unknown person. Uh, he mm. got elected in 2021 when I first stood uh, as a councillor. And then there was a coup that was sort of supported by Labour. And the Conservatives got rid of their leader. He ended up being put in position. Uh, and I think he's carried out a load of instructions for the higher-ups. Uh, mm. And the way it works is, we'll go and do stupid shit, cut down the <laughs> trees, lock you all up, all the rest of it. And then afterwards, we'll go, oh, sorry, we didn't realise it was bad, or we didn't realise it was going to do any harm. Please forgive us. Uh, they might get moved out of position. And once they're out of position, they can just go off and do whatever they want. He's mm. now on TV giving Ukraine security briefings because he's a security oh. guy. He's going to be fine yeah, because yeah. he's probably carried out the wishes of his masters. They're like, well done. It's like Liz Truss, isn't it? Yeah. Liz Truss got put in for 45 days. <laughs> they made it look really bad. And then they got in the man that they really wanted, which was yeah. that. Um, you know, all these people have roles to play. I'm not saying they're actors and all the rest of it, but they get given their instructions. If it works out badly for them, it's no big deal, is it? They can just replace them with somebody else. And yeah, because like you say, if they're you know, if they're told that there is a golden parachute, you go in, do your job, to, to, you know, carry out your instructions, no matter how unpopular they are, no matter how much the people hate you. Right, you just carry out these instructions, and we'll make sure that you're looked after for the rest of your life. I think that definitely goes on. You know, I don't think there's any uh, denying that. I mean, Liz Truss was in as a PM for forty-five days. She's now got one hundred twenty thousand pound a year pension, mm-hmm. and the rest, yeah. and the rest, and the rest. You know, and the rest. Oh, Liz, go over to Taiwan and stir shit up with China. Okay, I mean, she's just done that recently, landed in Taiwan. I'm sure there's all sorts of weapons deals and all the mm. rest of it. And she's making a mint. They all do. So, so that was a good. That was a good platform upon which to launch yeah. your independent campaign. Maybe less controversial than the previous platform, but that was a good litmus test as well to see how many yeah. people were like us within your local ward. You know, but this one you run more upon the idea of the destruction of our local habitat, of our local cities, uh, the uh, fifteen-minute city introduction, yeah. you know, which is being proposed. Yeah. A, a, a probably a, a safer platform upon which to run. Would would you say that was accurate? Yeah, I mean, the uproar in our city over yeah. the trees was immense. I mean, it made international news, not just yeah. national news. And this is little old Plymouth, you know. Yeah. So 
Um, and everyone I spoke to talked about the trees, and many spoke of fifteen-minute cities. Um, but but I just they, but they seen you as a threat, didn't they? They seen you as a threat because the you know your um, campaign. You were smeared personally. They tried to use dirty tricks against you in order to, you know, push away any potential voters to your platform. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what that felt um, like being, uh, you know, I, attacked I mean, personally. I had it the year, uh, the previous time that I stood. Um, but this particular year, the minute I announced that I was standing, so they're already aware of who I was. I got quite a, quite a quite a prominent uh, social media platform. And obviously I work on radio as well. As well. Uh, and there was Labour psychophants uh, running their mouths, uh, calling me the most racist man in, in Plymouth. Uh, they, they, and that label was uh, uh, labelled on all the independent candidates because there was a group of us of about uh, 14 independents who uh, were trying to like pool our resources and our manpower and make sure we got a, a candidate in every ward. Um, so yeah, we were la all labeled as, uh, you know, racists and conspiracy theorists. Uh, we had a banner, big banner that was being towed around uh, by a car um, uh, that the person responsible for that, the guy who owned it, his business was um, apparently approached by labor um, saying, if you carry on, uh, moving that 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 banner around the city for the Plymouth Independent Group or the Plymouth Independent Alliance, then you're going to lose business. He had some sort of threat, so he stopped. I mean, it was enough for him to stop. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, there are two examples of the dirty tricks uh, employed by the, the political candidates, uh, the, the the political opposition, and it's Labour. You don't see any of that from the Conservatives. Mm. It's but what, what's interesting is, is how they use these dog whistle words, right, and how they associate them with a certain um, opposition or dissident voice. For instance, it's because who are they really trying to influence when they call you a racist, right? Well, it's only really that group of voters who they know that they've done a demographic analysis upon, that they know that they're the people that turn out every local election because the turnout's pretty low so they're only they're, that's the target of the propaganda in a sense to make sure that they keep their pen away from you in the ballot box now you were campaigning on a platform about 15 minute cities well that was one of your uh, campaign um, positions now if we notice recently is that one of the global leaders of 15 minute cities in fact he's the president of the group that represents them is sadiq khan she sadiq khan i think it's c20 i think it's called which is the c40 is it now the double the amount of cities that are involved hundred as well right so yeah. sadiq khan either was the the chairman for the year that it was in london or he still is now he came out recently and said that um the far right are against 15-minute cities or people who oppose 15-minute cities are the far right. It's yeah. just obviously ludicrous and crazy, but all he's doing is associating the word far right with opposition to 15-minute cities to condition the voter, right, who is going to turn out and put a cross on the red, on the red rosette. What, what's your take on that and how they were calling you those names, even though it's clear that it was a ludicrous smear? But And you'd think, well, how does that influence the voters? But it seems that it did, and Labour won a landslide, didn't they? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if it necessarily in, uh, influences the general public, but like yeah. you said, it's it, it's a dog whistle, but it's also it's about cementing their core red yeah. Labour voters and making sure, as you said, that they keep that support, uh, uh, and they may uh, just scare off a few other people from voting for people like myself or Danny mm. Bampin or Nick Kelly or whoever independent candidates uh, that were standing. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, you know, the, the, the problem with the political system is, is, is that people pay no attention to, to, to the, those dog whistles, yeah? Mm. I, in the last, in 2021, I was stood up on the hoe looking out of the waterfront and there were two elderly ladies there. I was with Danny Bampin and a few of the other independent candidates. And we was questioning them on voting day who they voted for. And we was explained why it's important to vote for independent candidates. They're not owned. Uh, they don't have, they're not whipped. Uh, not, they don't have to follow any instructions from higher-ups uh, within the party locally or from central government, uh, and that we just generally re- we want to represent the wishes of the local communities of Plymouth. Yeah, or And that's supposed to be the, the purpose of an independent candidate. And they agreed with everything that me and Danny were saying. Mm. And then we was like, who did you vote for then? Oh, we always vote conservative. That's what they said. <laughs> and conservative won that year. Uh, yeah. We always vote conservative. I said, but you just agreed with everything that we said. And they were just like... Mm. And that's the same for both sides. And the red is even worse. The Labour, they will never, ever, ever, no matter who, you could get a cabbage, stick a red rosette on it, mm. uh, call it cabbage or on the ballot paper, as long as it said Labour underneath, mm. the Labour supporters are going to vote for them. Unless they're truly terrible, then they might vote for blue. And and so there's only ever really those two options because the public have been so propagandized for their entire lives that there are only two options, Pope or Pepsi. One's Mm. a bit sweeter than the other. And people just vote for one until they make a right mess of it. And then they'll just switch to the other. Yeah, and we're going to find exactly how terrible uh, this system is, or democracy, or lack of, because we've only got two choices, uh, in the next general election in the UK when Labour get into power. Um, and and make no doubt about it, Labour are getting into power. Yeah, no and it's being set up in a way. You know, I, I did the I did a little analysis once of uh, how they manipulate the vote, and just one of the ways they manipulate the vote is that whoever's in power. Right, they'll field the the opponent that they field against him. If they want the person to remain in power, the opponent they field against them will be ridiculous. Someone who no one will ever vote for. It's like when Thatcher was in, they had Michael Foot. Right, who was going to vote for Michael Foot? And then after that, after Michael Foot, you had Neil Kinnock. Who was going to vote for Neil Kinnock? Right, and then when when to- Tony Blair came in, who was running against Blair? Well, you had William Hague. Who the hell's going to vote for William Hague? Right, and then Ian Duncan Smith, and then Creature of the Night Michael Howard. You know, they put up people who were just never going to win, so they can manipulate the the vote in in that way. But it's like you know, it's the facade of democracy in which the people are meant to choose their representatives in order that they can lobby for the people in parliament so that our rights issues privileges are protected or fought for in the political sphere is just baloney it's just totally and utterly um, a totally fake concept but 
we continue to go on and on and on with this idea that, you know, Labour are going to do anything different. Labour are going to be even worse, you know, and it's Starmer. All Starmer is, is the puppet of Tony Blair. Yeah. Tony Blair's coming back into power, basically, and Starmer's just there to, to act out whatever the fantasies of that, you know, demonic individual truly are. Yeah, I mean, Tony Blair is uh, probably one of the most dangerous men on the planet. I mean, he's yeah. literally demonic in my eyes, and I voted for him twice as a youngster, <laughs> you know? I mean, um, and, 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 so that's one tool that they use. You know, there's a propagandized public where people will just vote red or blue. They don't mm. think. They just vote red or blue. Uh, and, and then there's another aspect, especially at local local level, is turnout. So the turnout mm. for my ward that I ran in this year, I got 5% of the vote again, which is sort mm. of standard or average for an independent candidate. Uh, the turnout in my ward was 27%. Wow. That's not and even those, a mandate, is it? That's not that's a mandate. Because then, yeah. and then, what? Uh, uh, in my ward, what, two-thirds of those votes went to Labour? Mm. So basically, so basically, the country in the UK, same as the USA, same as any of these democracies, you know, Australia, Canada, uh, uh, it's a little bit different mainland Europe because they're not sort of English-speaking countries, um, is that your country is run by those that decide, those who turn up. Yeah, and the problem with, the, with those that turn up is that they're either red or blue. Yeah, because the the average person who goes, I ain't voting. I don't fucking like any of these people, and voting doesn't make any difference, or I don't want to give my power away. None of those people are going to the ballot box locally mm-hmm. or nationally, uh, and so most of this country is ruled over by some by people that have been selected by a minority and have been selected by their own yeah mm. and um you know that 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 to me just says that the system is completely broken mm. uh and i don't know how you fix it uh enforcing uh, uh uptake or, or forcing people like they do in australia to go out and vote on pain of a fine i, don't I wouldn't pay the fine because, <laughs> because if everyone turned up the people in, stab- in the establishment wouldn't be in power, and so they'd have to just fix the election. <laughs> I don't think they want people to turn up. I no. think they, they're happy with the turnout that they've got because they know that they can control that turnout. It's like, you know, um, I did an interview with Matthias Desmet the, from yeah. Mass Formation fame. Yeah, yeah. Really good, yeah. interesting conversation, that one. And he talks about how um, they segment society from for mass formation. So they know that 30% of the population will always fall for the mass formation and they will absolutely be committed to that with almost their, they'll put their life on the line, right? There's, they'll never shake off. They're totally, totally committed to the mass formation. Then there's 40% in the middle who will sway either way, depending on which way the wind blows or they're scared of the government. So they just go along with it, but they don't believe yeah. it, right? They're not, you know, they're not the the, uh, the zealots. And then there's 30% like us who will just never buy it, right? No matter what they say, no matter how they try and spin it. But So I think that, you know, that core 30%, the people who are 100% in balls deep on the mass formation that's the voting block they're the people who are turning out for labor party or the conservatives every single election they're just you know like you said is that you spoke to those old women you give them the the ideas but they still voted conservative you know and i think that's what you're up against and they don't want that to change because they can control the electorate through a slow turnout as long as it's for them in liverpool 
right? Liverpool, after being exposed, the Liverpool City Council, after being exposed, as being totally corrupt, totally robbing the people and rinsing the public for the last 12 years. The people went out and voted for them, in, you know, not in mass, but they won by landslide, <laughs> you know? So it, it's a, it seems like it's an impossible situation. Um, independence seems like it could be one solution and it i know you've said that it's difficult for us in inner cities for independence to have any success but there is some evidence of success of independence i know you mentioned something about a place called from is it where it's a Froom, yeah from that's in somerset is it in somerset it's in somerset i think from is uh a council or it used All to be independence that that's full of independence there's and- no party is there I don't believe there's any political parties. And I, I understand, and you know, if you're listening to this right now, you can go and check for yourself, you know, and, and, yeah. and call me out, whatever, if I'm wrong. That during the COVID lockdowns and that, it was one of the freest places that you could be, you know, because uh, the independents there um, didn't go full hog with all the restrictions, probably mm. because their constituents were talking to them, and because mm. they weren't beholden by parties, were listening to to the concerns of the people uh, that they were supposed to represent. Mm. So, but I mean, trying to change the dying wall, red and blue voters. Mm. I don't know how you can do that. I bet there's loads of voters. Even that were, I bet there was another 5% of voters that were turning up to, to, to vote in my ward going, I'm going to vote for the independent candidate. And when they got there, they had a look and just <laughs> red and blue. And they thought, oh, it's a wasted vote. Yeah. It's the wasted vote argument. Oh, if yeah. I vote for the independent candidate, it's a wasted vote. I'll just vote for Labour. Don't like Conservatives. Uh, they cut the trees down. I'll vote for Labour. Yeah, I'll vote for the opposite. Uh, and I'm sure that happens so many times when people get to uh, the ballot stations to, to cast their vote. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know how you can break that sort of mechanical behaviour, that, you know, that, that propagandised behaviour that people... Maybe have. there is no solution. Maybe there is, you know, maybe maybe the solution is... You know, yeah, maybe uh, maybe democracy needs to be, you know, the experiment of democracy needs to be, uh, you know, cast out. I don't know. Maybe we need to return back to all the all the methods. I don't know. I'm like you. I don't know what the solution is. But I definitely feel as if democracy isn't the, the solution, or at least this form, this corrupted, obscene form that masquerades as democracy at the moment, that definitely isn't working for us, and that definitely isn't the solution. Did you feel... Was you demoralised after your experience running as an independent in terms of what you got to see firsthand, the, the you know, the, the diabolical nature of local politics? Uh, no, I mean, uh, this time round, no, I mean, neither time round, because, I mean, I, uh, both times that I've gone to the count, I have walked, I've been walking in the door like this. Yeah. Please don't let me fucking win please go second <laughs> i don't want to be a counselor <laughs> the state of these people i mean even this time around at the count there were people with masks on double masks on people don't know what gender they are and, and green you know i mean some of the I, I, I shouldn't be horrible and drag people down that i don't really know but particularly on the labor side when you look at some of these characters you know that if they weren't part of the Labour Party and part of the local political scene, they would be absolutely nothing. They would be um, 
you know, uh, failures in life. You can just see that. But that's bio-Leninism. Bio-Leninism, it gives, is the theory that it gives these absolute lunatics, you know, some political clout, which they wouldn't normally have. And therefore, they become ultra-loyal to the party because it's the party that gives them the status in society that they wouldn't normally have. 100% Labour Party, especially Mm. in Plymouth. Uh, It's run by a guy called Tudor Evans, Super corrupt. He's been in the 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 the, the establishment, political establishment of Plymouth, uh, in the chambers there uh, for decades. I didn't quite realise how much money he was earning, but as a leader, he's taken home before he gets all his extras and stuff in his pocket and that. He's probably taken home fifty to sixty thousand pounds of taxpayers' money. Uh, so you know, you know, there's money to be made to to be part of the the political establishment, as mm. is obvious. Um, but yeah, some of these people are absolute misfits, the lowest common denominator that Plymouth has to offer. And I'm really, really, so I, I'm not coming away disappointed that I lost. I'm mm. grateful that I lost because I don't want to have to work with these people quite like my life with TNT and, and just chatting to people honestly about stuff. Um, but at the same time, it is quite something to be sat there watching your count, watching the odds ballot come into your tray and you see the guy next to you the big fat gay guy he's a he him <laughs> right, beard. he's got a giant beard and he's like, yeah. giant beard and he's a he him and it's like mate you don't need to express your pronouns in case people can't identify who you are you clearly look like a giant man but he's obviously a giant uh, gay man uh, but it's quite something to see the votes just pile up yeah um, because it, it just demonstrates when you've got one pile this big and it's mm. constantly being replaced and you've got this little batch of votes that are coming your way and you know that you are an honest candidate who's standing up for the real issues that are affecting the city and you know that there is no democracy and that you're determined if you did win that you're going to give it and you've got somebody and you see one of these people just voting red. They've just mm-hmm. voted red. That's what it's... Oh, Labour, don't. Yeah. Crazy. It's it's. I've got a a friend in Liverpool, um, Paul Woods. He's another you know campaigner like us or activist like us, if you like. Um, And he run as an independent. Must be about eight years ago, in Heighton in Liverpool, uh, or in Knowsley. Sorry, not in Liverpool. It's just outside Liverpool, but it's regarded as Merseyside. And he ran as an independent, and he. You know, he's really well regarded in his local community. And, you know, he's a great guy, does a lot of great work for, for his for his local community. And he would put up a really, really strong challenge against Labour. Right. And I went to the count, right? I went to the count and it was the first time I'd ever been to a count. And it was like, okay, this is interesting. Look at this. What's going on here? This is actual local politics, seeing it, you know, happen and unfold. Uh, and it was an unusual experience, and and he, he was like you say, you were watching the counts being piled up, and he was taking the lead, and we were like, oh, this is what's going on here. He's starting to take the lead, and and then towards the end of the count, with something like an hour to go, the Joe Biden effect happened, right? And Labour, whether it was, walked in with the postal vote, right, last minute dumped the postal vote onto the table and they were nearly all for the Labour Party, right? Boom. And he just took him ahead of Paul, right? In the last hour, hour and a half of the count, it was so blatantly obvious. And and uh, he, people told me, he said, that's how they do it. That's how they're able to manipulate the vote is the postal vote gets piled in. 
Because yeah. a lot of the postal votes, they do them by going around old age pensioners' homes and saying, you know, we'll register you for vote. You're going to vote for Labour, aren't you? You're going to vote for Labour and just manipulate yeah. these. We'll post it for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, here they, they drive around. They know who their voters are. Yeah. They know all the people who are voting for them. And they'll drive around and pick them up and take them to the ballot station yeah. and buses and in cars. And, and it's only, we're, we're only talking about small numbers, aren't we? Because I was surprised when I looked at, started to look at local politics um, statistics. And I was surprised how few votes these people who were voted into office actually get. Yeah. to wield these positions of quite influential power locally where they're in charge of big budgets and they can impose freedom-restricting directives or executive orders like Bingley that can destroy the local community. And they're voted in on something like a 1,000 votes. Yeah, yeah. a 1,000 votes. <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, a ward, typical wards, what, an implement of 10,000 people? Mm. Uh, and the Labour candidate who was against me this year got sixteen hundred votes, but he demolished he he demolished everybody, and it, mm. that was the same across the board. But that's still only what sixteen percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, whatever whatever the tally finding was of that ward. The yeah. rest of them aren't represented. Aren't represented, and it's they so, won't be listened to unless they yeah. vote for Labour. It's a tyranny of the minority. Yeah. It's a tyranny of the minority. Nominators and the people yeah. who are voting. Yeah, that, that sixteen hundred people who voted for Labour in my ward. I'm sure if you had a picture of that sixteen hundred, mm. you'd be looking at some of them and going, "Oh my god, that you know th these people are making decisions for us." Yeah, mm. and um, it's crazy. You know that that concerns me. I don't mm. know, and I, I, as I've you know to save myself, you know, repeating myself, I don't know what the solution is. I stood this year as saying, I'm offering a solution and nobody's mm. going to take it. Mm. Nobody takes it. How do you get the other 85%, how do you get the other 80% of people or 70% or of people, voters to even turn up and put a cross in a box? Well, but the people are just so demoralized, aren't they, with the political system? And maybe that's deliberate so that they can control a small minority who they know will go out and vote no matter what, no matter how demoralized the rest of the country are. There's this nucleus of voter that yeah. will always turn out and always guarantee them to vote red or blue. Occasionally, when they want to change the you know the government they will cast the blue as the demons so even the core voters will shift to red just for that particular election like oh. what's going to happen with Starmer, we're going to see a landslide Labour government, like we've just witnessed locally. Is that you know people just shifted red yeah, to red? Yeah, didn't I mean, they? Yeah, I, what happens with the Conservative vote? To be fair, I know mm. Boris picked up a lot of votes in the GE in 2019. Yeah, uh, but that's the Boris effect, and the, you know he's popular mm. for whatever reason. You know, I think he's a lying traitor myself. Um, the Conservative voters just didn't come out. Yeah. So only the Labour voters come out and yeah. some up the other stragglers because the Labour are hardcore cultists. Yeah. Uh, and the Conservatives are like, well, I'm never going to vote Labour. And so we, they just don't come out and vote. So. Just abstain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, okay, I, I'm with you on this. To be fair, I, I don't quite know what the solution is. Is that I, I've kind of given up on a, a political solution. I know that much, or at least a democratic solution. And uh, I don't think we have the power at our level to really bring about any influential political change it maybe has to be done higher up i don't know where at what point we go higher up and we find any good people because it seems like it's just packed full of uh you know globalist 
Kabbalists and you know yeah. I don't really know the solution himself but we, we can maybe we can maybe attack that another another time another day when we're more inspired by solutions but um be, before we move into part two um I just want to kind of wrap up part one because not only are you a fantastic independent candidate for Plymouth but oh, you're I'm also sure. smashing it with TNT radio which is a new radio station that's emerged over the last few years as a real voice for freedom of speech and giving people like you and I and, and others around the world a platform or a, an ability to listen to uh, truthful content being um, you know, debated and discussed, and you know, you you've got yourself, you know, quite a, a a good platform on that on that channel. Tell us about TNT, how it came about, how you found yourself as a, a regular radio host on on on, the, on that platform. So um, TNT started at the beginning of 2022. Um, I had actually been contacted in 2021 uh, by the the potential uh, the, the boss of, of TNT, uh, but then I might I got censored and sus suspended permanently from Twitter, so I lost all contact. But anyway, the TNT uh, started in 2022. Uh, it uh, is a freedom of speech platform being broadcast out of australia uh i i believe i don't know the full details about the owners and where the money is coming from but there is a, a substantial amount of money that's being put towards tnt and the tnt brand uh, they've brought in a variety of hosts from around the world um uh, and it's effectively people at home in their own studios in me in my flat in my bedroom uh and there's people in america or in texas we had somebody in you know we have george elison in donbass there are a host in australia so we're all we're, we're a global thing um uh, and basically we're brought sort of every country whether uk usa or australia we're sort of broadcasting up until lunchtime two o'clock and then we switch to the next time zone. Then we switch to the next time zone. We've got 24-hour coverage. Right. Uh, there are no restrictions on what we can say. Uh, uh, that's been going on now for you know a year and a half. TNT have been running. We've been growing. Uh, we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you can check it out on the tntradio.live website. Uh, and it's got to a place now for the UK audience. Uh, we have uh, Rick Munn. We've got uh, James Freeman. Uh, myself, Natalie Chill, and we have Katie Hopkins uh, working for us uh, in the morning. Uh, and there are a variety of other, we've got Patrick Henson as well. There's actually quite a steep um, or deep Plymouth connection. Yeah, mm. it's myself, uh, uh, Patrick Henson, who's based in Plymouth. Danny Bamping comes along a lot. There's quite a few uh, Plymouth people. James Freeman himself has origins in Plymouth. Um, so uh, we're growing. Uh, if you're listening now, and you haven't heard of TNT. I highly recommend that you listen to it. No topics uh, are, are, are um, off, and uh, we do focus very heavily on things that are related to the agenda. So vaccines, COVID, climate change, uh, the truth about the, our political systems and our leaders. Um, you know, depopulation. Uh, we could go on and on and on on the topics that aren't off limit. And uh, uh, I've really, really enjoyed working for them. And it's been a great opportunity. So uh, and if you want to check out my show, Digging Deeper, it's uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday's UK time. Uh, and uh, it's, it's uh, a popular show. 
Of course. Fantastic. You, you're definitely good at that, aren't you? That, you're a pro at that one. <laughs> that was the best one. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, listen, it's been great talking to you in part one. Uh, for our members and our subscribers, we're going to move over to part two, which you can catch on the website. And we're going to talk about vaccines or uh, excess deaths in vaccines, the type of things that will get me banned off YouTube, which I'm currently sitting out a couple of um, bans at the moment. I'm waiting for that to, to expire. Yeah, um, so we're going to talk about things that we can't talk about on YouTube, uh, vaccines, maybe we'll touch on Ukraine and maybe go into a little bit more depth with 15-minute cities. So, yeah, great chatting to you about local politics. Really enjoyed that. And for everyone who's going to watch on part two, we'll see you over on the website. Uh, thanks for tuning in now and we'll see you there soon.